welcome to the IonHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. It's episode 14 of the IonHoops.com podcast, and this one's going to be a little different than what we're used to seeing around here. We're going to focus more on the Iona Lady Gales in this episode. We're welcoming Iona women's basketball coach Billy Chambers to help us preview the Lady Gales season and what to expect on the women's side of the things in the MAC. Now, I know what you guys are going to say. Why are we going to pay attention to women's hoops? Doesn't Quinnipiac and Marist win this damn thing every year? Well, yeah, for about 20 years, it's been going on that way pretty pretty, pretty much. But uh, things are about to get interesting. Mac, Mac women's hoops appears up for grabs for the first time in, in like two decades. An entirely new wrinkle for the league, Manhattan Jaspers women's team was picked first in the preseason coaches poll. That's something different for sure. Uh, the rest of the preseason top five, Quinnipiac and Fairfield, shared their number two spot. Maris checked in at number four, and the Iona Gales were picked fifth. So we're trending upward as a program after a 9-21 season, a sixth-place finish last year, and a dreadful campaign the year before that thankfully is now long in our rearview mirror. Certainly heading on the right path for the lo- from the lofty heights where Coach Chambers had the program after taking over for the great Tony Bazella. But the more things change, the more they stay the same, as the cliche goes. Uh, and this is true for as well for this podcast because I've got some Iona Iotas coming at you covering a couple important men's hoops items before we get to Coach Chambers to talk Lady Gales. Iona Iotas. As we all know by now, late last week, Iona announced that due to a COVID case among the basketball personnel, the program would have to shut down for 14 days. So the shutdown began November 12th, and the 14 days means the program can restart around November 26th, 27th. Uh, but after that long a layoff, the restarting process is not as quick as you'd think if pretty much kids are just sitting around for two weeks because they can't practice. Uh, so this means Iona's non-conference slate is greatly impacted. Of course, the November 25th game at Fordham is now out. And the three games at U- against UMass, Buffalo, and Vermont at Mohegan from November 29th to December 2nd are... dead as far as I am probably already 100% dead. Uh, So that leaves Iona with just two non-conference games at at home versus Wagner on December 5th, which as far as I know is still on, and the December 23rd game at Hofstra that we talked about last week. Uh, But the way things are going, don't be shocked to see all non-conference games get shut down. It seems like every every day we get three or four more schools that are shutting down. We don't, you know, again, nothing's official yet. Certainly sounds like Wagner's on at the moment, but Keep an eye on Twitter, ionhoops.com message board, icgales.com for any updates that could impact scheduling. Iona, Iona's. Iona's not the only men's team in the MAC that saw its season put on hold by COVID. In fact, I believe eight different programs or so are or were on pause at one point or another. And, you know, as we discussed last episode, because of COVID's impact on the league, the MAC announced it was taking a doubleheader approach to scheduling with teams facing, facing each other at the same location on Fridays and Saturdays. This new format and schedule was unveiled earlier this week, uh, um, and the Gales will begin a MAC play with two games at home against Monmouth December 11th and 12th. In a rather odd convenience, Iona is actually hosting the, the doubleheaders against all the teams picked in the top half of the MAC. Welcome to the MAC, Rick Pitino. Uh, so that means that Monmouth, again, we open up with, and then Siena, St. Peter's, Niagara, and Arch Rival Manhattan are all coming to the Heinz Center for their games. No, Iona will not be playing road games in those buildings this year. Uh, it does, does mean the Gales will hit the road for its two game sets against Ryder, which is December 18th and 19th. And then after the holidays, uh, in, to, uh, they'll be heading to Canisius, Maris, Quinnipiac, and Fairfield. Uh, the schedule does feature a bye week in January, 
Uh, there's also a weekend in February that will be for any necessary makeup games due to COVID before all the teams descend on Atlantic City in March for the MAC tournament. Here's hoping COVID actually cooperates with all of this. Iona, Ionis. Last week, I told you that Iona was expecting to have four signings in the days that followed, and I just wanted to confirm for you that all those signings did indeed happen. So, officially now, we welcome Trey James, Joshua Duash, Jordan Wildy, and Walter Clayton to the program for what will be a highly anticipated 2021-22 season that, God willing, we'll actually be able to enjoy in person. I don't know about all of you, but I'm already planning on spending next Thanksgiving in Orlando. Iona, Ionis. The MAC announced today its Time Out for Black Lives initiative, which aims to inspire and educate youth, athletes, families, and fans, uh, has an interactive website where coaches and student athletes from MAC basketball programs can contribute to their time and resources to read children's books and entertaining videos, all focusing on black culture, history, music, and myths. The program comes as part of the MAC's United for Justice campaign that was announced over the summer. All the videos in this program will be highlighted on the new site built specifically for the reading program, timeoutforblacklives.com. Posted videos will feature short, short biographies on each coach or student athlete with kid-friendly information such as the reader's hometown, favorite book, and favorite basketball player. There is also a Let's Talk About It resource guide uh, to help parents and teachers start thought-provoking discussions with children viewing the videos. First founder videos are, are coming out shortly, um, and they're going to feature uh, Rick Pitino, for instance, uh, his book title, A Nation's Hope, the Story of Boxing Legend Joe Lewis, authored by Matt De La Pena, and is illustrated by Kadir Nelson. Uh, it'll be narrated by Rick Pitino, uh, and he's been involved in similar programs uh, while coaching in Greece and was a strong advocate for the MAC to launch its own program that was similar. Um, the coaches throughout the MAC actually felt strongly about this initiative and were eager to, to be involved. So, for more details, go to uh, MacSports.com uh, for the press release. Okay, let's welcome Iona women's basketball coach Billy Chambers to the program. Coach Chambers is entering her eighth season at the helm, and it's been an up and down ride for sure. And like everyone else, it's been a rather unique past few months for the Lady Gales, uh, especially in the past couple of months. Uh, and Coach Chambers is here to tell us about all of that. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So as I noted a moment ago, it's been quite the up and down ride for you since taking over for Tony Bazella. Uh, we saw a 26 win season. We saw a trip to the NCAA tournament. And then we saw a, a cliff. We saw a 228 season and a 5 and 26 season. Now I know that's quite a span, but can you tell us kind of what was happening when you first took over and you know, what, what the situation was like and then kind of what caused the downfall? Sure. Um, you know, joining Iona's program, I knew that there was a, a storied program here, a, a program that had built. Um, I was coming into a, a great roster with some really solid players, um, and they accepted me right away, which was really awesome. Um, I kept Coach Kelly, obviously, on staff as our associate head coach, and, you know, she did such a great job in helping everybody understand a, a new style of play, a new way to do things, um, and we just had players who were able to get it done. I mean, you have Jamika Martinez on your roster, you're going to win some games um, and an incredible supporting cast around her. Um, I, I could go, you know, through the whole, the whole roster. I remember like it was yesterday. It was such, you know, fun, exciting moments. Um, but you know, as, as the years progressed, obviously, like you said, we won a, a, a conference tournament, you know, went to the NCAA championship the year after Jamika graduated, um, brought in some pretty special players to put that cast together. Marina Lizarazu, um, was an incredible point guard who who got the team together and everything. And then you kind of progress to 
those rebuild years um, and, and trying to put the team back together, figure things out. I would say the biggest thing that kind of progressed us towards that kind of slip was unforeseen changes to our roster over the summer. Um, we had brought in a couple of transfers who were sitting out that we thought were going to play a huge impact and replace some of the, the young ladies that were graduating in Joy and Corinda Dupree um, in Marina. Um, and there were some cha late changes to the roster that didn't allow them to stay with us. Um, with that happening, you obviously kind of thrust people into positions that they're not necessarily ready for. You've got a role player who is going to be incredible coming off the bench and playing great minutes, but now is a starter who you're running go-to place for. And you're relying on her to have such an increased uh, amount of production, which, you know, it's unfair to her, but you're also trying to adjust and empower them to believe that they can get it done to really, you know, produce when they're on the court. Um, and I think that was just tough for so many of them who were put into that position. Um, in addition to that, we lost a, our point guard to an ACL tear over the spring. We had a uh, backup point guard who, like I said, was going to play some limited minutes when she came in and she got injured as well. So, you know, when we finally got Chris and Mahoney back on the court, we were subbing those two point guards in and out. I mean, I would say every three or four minutes. And, you know, if you're a, a opposing coach and you see it, the other team doesn't have a point guard, you start, uh, you start hunting, you start salivating a little bit and you start pressing people. So, you know, it was, it was rocky, obviously, for the players, but I would say for our coaching staff um, and for myself personally, I felt like it was such huge moments of growth. Um, don't get me wrong, you know, obviously I had my moments where I was pulling my hair out and it was super stressful because you're competitive, you want to win. Um, but realistically, I would say that was probably the time where I felt like I developed and grew so much as a coach to try to find different ways to teach, different ways to connect, um, and honestly, different ways to recruit to try to get back to the style of play that we wanted to play. I mean, if you, if you go back to the films, we were running ball screen motion those first four years. And as we went through those injuries, as we went through those changes in the roster, we went away from that because we didn't feel like we had the personnel to be able to do it. So we reevaluated really everything. And I think that's why we're back to a space where we as coaches feel super confident in what we have on our roster and our ability to compete in the Mac. <laughs> Do you feel like um, you have, I mean, you have still have a young roster last year and there was a lot of, some good progress and, and you still seem like you have a pretty young roster this year. Um, so a fifth, a fifth place projection in the coaches poll, do you think that's a fair uh, projection? Yeah, I mean, fair based on what they know. Um, we obviously brought in eight new players this year and I, I would consider us young. Yes. But I think we have some pretty experienced players with the international uh, student athletes that we've brought to the team. Mm -hmm. uh, I think obviously bringing back uh, Juana and Shai who, and Paula, who played significant minutes um, in the past couple of years, I think is a, is a pretty good core. And I think, you know, I really, really like what we've added to this group. We have a couple of grad transfers as well, who bring some experience and maturity. You know, I'm just, I'm excited about what we have. I think we're super high IQ and we're going to be able to really su surprise some people on the Mac. So let's talk about this off season a bit. So you, you know, you come off of last year, you know, you're in the process of building something and then here's COVID <laughs> wreaking its havoc and, and just disrupting your plans in terms of what you're trying to build. Um, can you describe for the fans what you've experienced since the fall semester started Iona, or back in August? Sure. It has been a whirlwind. Um, we obviously communicated a ton with the, the student athletes and their parents over the summer. Um, in such a different way, you know, you're calling to make sure they're okay and they're not 
terribly affected by the disease, whether somebody's sick or whether they've lost jobs and you're just trying to support in a different way that you'd normally do through the recruiting process or with your own players on your own team. So we get back early, we quarantine to make sure, since so many people are coming from hotspot states at that point, I think 95% of our team was in the, the two-week precautionary quarantine. Um, we get out, obviously we go through getting everybody cleared to get on the court, um, you know, taking it kind of slow, making sure that we're, we're following the, the school's um, everything they have set in place to make sure that everybody's safe and healthy. Um, we get on the court, we start, and good goodness, it looks like they've been off for nine months. <laughs> um, they're, they're slow, they're sluggish, there's a the little nagging groin injuries, hamstring injuries, all that type of stuff. Um, we took it step by step. We did a lot of shooting the first couple weeks, you know, starting to build back up and, and follow what the NCAA says in, in terms of the reacclimation period. Um, and just slowly tried to get back into a rhythm of things. Um, when we finally got to team workouts, you know, like I said, I'm really excited because we have a group that's just so, so incredibly bright and picks things up so quickly. So like I said, you know, during the summer, communicating with them and everything, we spent some time um, teaching just system, what we wanted to run over Zoom um, and working through that stuff. So when we started to put it together on the court, and they got out of that pace of being out of shape. It actually looks pretty good. You know, they're picking things up rather rapidly. But I would say we've been, we've been pretty unlucky when it comes to shutdowns and when it comes to um, being off the court. I'd, I'd say once we finish this quarantine we're in now, we've been in quarantine, gosh, I think 47 out of the last 66 days, which has been incredibly tough for them mentally, obviously physically, trying to figure everything out. But Man, I, I can't wait for everybody to see this group. I can't wait for people to meet these young women because they are just so tough. They have incredible perspective. They are so bright. And I just, I'm still super optimistic about what we're going to be able to do, despite the fact that we haven't had the significant time on the court that I was hoping we would have at this point. Well, you, like you said, you have a good core returning. You led by preseason All-Mac first-teamer, uh, Juana Chameleon. Oh, I'm saying that right. And preseason third-teamer, Paula Weeks. And then you said there were a couple of grad transfers. So given everything that's happening with the shutdowns and, and what you're trying to get done kind of behind the scenes and off the court, tell me about some of the leadership you're getting out of some of these players that have been to, you know, have started to know your system a little better. Um, how much are they doing that, you know, you're so proud of just as a coach? witnessing from the from the background oh yeah Juana and Paula have been unbelievable leaders during this time I mean like you said COVID has really knocked everybody on their butts and everybody's having a challenge that nobody was expecting it or nobody even knows how to navigate it's so new to everybody but they have been incredible in keeping the team together finding ways to virtually connect having their own zoom calls you know, playing the kind of get to know you game since there's so many new faces in the program and really just kind of building that mentality of, listen, we have a challenge, but, you know, we can have a, a great story at the end of this and say, hey, we conquered this or we can have the excuses at the end of this. So they've really kept this group um, in the right mindset and making sure that we're, we're doing what needs to be doing. We're keeping everybody safe. We're prioritizing our health and, and, and kind of isolating and having our own small bubble within the team. Um, but they have been wonderful leaders. I mean, Juana and Paula have really stepped up. But to that end, you know, like I said, a couple grad transfers um, and Jessica Rogers um, and Olivia Vesaldenos, um, just to, to join our program and have great voices because they played at the college level um, has been awesome. And, and the young ones are just kind of following and understanding, hey, this is, this is not normal. This isn't how it goes. But 
you know, this is the experience I want. I want an opportunity to play. So we have to build those relationships differently than what, you know, you would normally do in the past. Uh, but they've been great. I mean, I, I, that's the one thing that has kept me a little bit sane through all this. Cause I, like I said, I've had my moments of what are we doing here? This is absolutely crazy, but just them every day, jumping on the computer, getting into the gym, whatever it is with their excitement level of wanting to do this and wanting to, to conquer this moment has just been so refreshing and so rewarding to work with them. So looking at uh, stats last year, and I know they don't always tell the whole story, but it looked like your team played solid defense for the most part consistently throughout the season. The struggles are more on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, shooting and scoring were issues. You know, again, be, not being in the gym as much as you'd like, how do you hope to address an issue like shooting when you, you know, you obviously can't address that in a Zoom call, but <laughs> for that to improve, like, you know, when you don't have the practice time and the reps in the gym. Yeah, that's one thing I haven't figured out, how to uh, address shooting on a Zoom call. I mean, <laughs> we can watch them hold their follow-through as much as they want, but it doesn't really count if it doesn't go in the basket. Um, I think we addressed some of that in the offseason with our recruiting. Um, eight new players, some incredible shooters. Olivia, who I said, you know, transferred in from Concordia, Portland, I mean, is lights out from the three-point land. She And it's quick. I mean, she has such a quick release, which I think is going to open up shots for other people. Um, I think Shy's looking good coming off the summer. She's one who was able to get a little bit of work in over the summer because she had access to a gym um, and her shot looks really good. Mm-hmm. You know, last year's struggles, like you said, stats don't tell the true story. Morgan Rayku, who was the best shooter um, on our team, went down super early for us and was out um, with several different injuries. But the biggest one, obviously, with her knee um, and coming back with the knee brace through the rest of the year really affected us. Um, I will say the positive of that was seeing Juana step up and really start to lead the team from an offensive standpoint. Um, But that hurt us a ton because that was someone who, even if she wasn't on during the day or during that uh, game, I'm sorry, um, it opened up lanes for everybody because you couldn't leave her open with the chance that she might get hot off a shot if you leave her. Um, So that opened up everything for everyone else. So I do think some of the story lying in the stats can be a little bit mis- Miss, uh, gosh, skewed, I'm sorry, can be a little bit skewed, but uh, we have a group that really knows how to put the ball in the basket. I think we're high IQ. We know how to move the ball a little bit better. And I think we have a lot more options to go to to score. We're always going to be defensive minded and want to stop the other team and have goals and trying to make sure that we're leading the, the country and taking charges and being you know, aggressive in everything that we're doing. But I do think we have a lot more options of young ladies who can put the ball in the basket, which is going to be such a different look from what we had uh, last year. I think we've taken a great, a huge step from, you know, in that, in that rebuild process. Well, I definitely want to get into more about the newcomers and about recruiting in general. I just had one quick question about another uh, a returning player. Um, I saw a good number of your games last year online and in person. Uh, one of your returning players that intrigued me was Deja Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, she seemed to have a so- solid skill set, but her minutes per game were lower than I would have expected when I look back on it. What held her back? I think Deja really struggled in her transition of just transferring in and into a new system and, and playing and kind of getting herself settled. I mean, we recruited Deja out of high school um, and I had a great relationship with her during the recruiting process. She's probably one of the, you know, ones who I shed a tear when I found out she was going somewhere else um, because we really bonded through that recruiting process. And she had a really tough road kind of going to Albany, um, kind of having to re-identify, you know, sitting her freshman year, 
um, and redshirting, then a new coaching staff coming in and not really seeing the success that she thought she was going to see, you know, playing for uh, that coach. Um, so just battling that, who am I? What type of player am I? What do I bring to the table? Um, so when she got here, I think the style fit her a lot better. Um, but she was so incredibly up and down in her production and what she was bringing to the court every night, just still battling those struggles of what, what is my best asset? What can I bring to the table? Um, but a great kid. I mean, she's a fighter. Um, I think she has potential to do some really good things this year. Um, it's just a matter of her getting settled in what she knows she does well and not, not really getting so frustrated with the things that she doesn't do well or when she makes a mistake. Um, I'm hoping for a breakout for her too. Um, because I do think she has a, an awesome skill set. She's athletic. She can get to the basket. She can take you one-on-one. Um, and defensively, she can be pretty solid for us too. So I, I think she'll have some growth this year now that she's really settled and identified what she can and can do well. Yeah, and, I, and again, from what I saw, that sounds that sounds like something that I'm going to keep my eye on for sure as I love to see if her game makes that kind of jump that you're talking about. Um, so let's talk more about your recruiting class. You brought up a, f- a few of the players already. Uh, can you tell us about some of the other ones you haven't mentioned yet? Sure. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> sit tight. Um, we got Hannah King, a uh, transfer from College of Central Florida, um, 5'11", uh, kind of four player who can shoot the three. She can stretch it and shoot the three, but she's aggressive on the inside. She's one of your dirty work type of players. I think you're going to kind of liken her to a Tori Lesko type of kid. Um, she took 62 charges last year, um, super defensive-minded, gritty, unafraid of contact, really wants to just do anything that she needs to do to keep the team together. Um, she's that glue type of player, very vocal, um, and I think she's going to fit very well into the style of play that we want to play. Um, who else we have here? Torana Kika Hajkar. She, she's going to be special. Um, she is strong. She can get to the basket. She is, goodness, a, a bright star in transition. When she rebounds and she pushes, she creates so much for herself, for everybody running the lanes. And I think she has been a huge piece to, that's going to allow us to play at a faster pace. And she is a terror defensively. Obviously, they're, they're allowed to do a little bit more um, over in Europe when they're playing. So we have to scale her back a little bit so she doesn't foul out. But she has been a, a really bright spot uh, in the practices very early on and really kind of solidifying some presence for herself. Um, Jadane Dublin, I think, is an awesome player who is just her, – her best is going to be ahead of her. She's young. She has no idea how good she is. Um, she is really good around the basket a 6'2 kid who can handle the ball a little bit and come off a ball screen if we need her to. Um, she just knows how to put the ball in the basket. I actually tried to recruit her sister at a high school years ago, back when I was at UMBC. So I had a special connection with their family and just to reunite and have her in our program, I think is really exciting for us. Mm. Um, Sydney Avila, 6'4", uh, winner. I mean, played at Paul the Six High School, powerhouse high school down in Virginia. Um, and really was the anchor for them inside for the past couple of years, is very skilled. She just she knows how to pin and seal. She's got great footwork. So some of the time that you normally spent with freshmen trying to clean those things up or trying to teach them anew, she's got already. Um, and she's just been really good back to the basket uh, for us so far in practice and has done some really nice things um, with opening up that post presence, which I think we've been missing quite a bit over the past few years since Joy graduated We've really been searching to find somebody that we can throw it inside to. And I think she gives us that presence um, a little bit. 
Um, and then you have two more guards in Anushka Meyer and Claudia Gomez, who are great point guards, um, know how to understand the flow of the game, know how to create for other people, have already picked up on where people want the ball, how to create for them, and, and you know, already know sets, already are telling everybody what to do as freshmen, which is nice to see. Um, so I think they're going to be really special with challenging Lucia to step her game up, but also t- with backing her up very well. Um, Anushka, I will say, six one point guard is a dream um, for women's basketball. She can play off the ball a little bit too, and she's really excited to be able to do that. So I think just overall our roster has gotten way more versatile. Um, our ability to shift people around and, and play some guards in the post and posts on the wing is going to be pretty special to how the, we want to run our ball screen motion. So, again, I'm excited about the crew that we have. I think they're, they're hardworking, they're, they're high IQ, and they're, and they're ready to battle. All right. Well, one question I want to ask you about recruiting um, is that you obviously have this tremendous recruiting connection in, to, uh, to Spain. <laughs> Starting back with uh, Lizarazu and then going through Camillon and, and, and incoming players and even one of your 2021 commits is uh, uh, from Spain. How did that recruiting connection come about and how um, obviously it's going to, will it lead to other European connections for you? It actually is a few different connections. Um, so Marina came over, she transferred in from Texas Tech. So we didn't recruit her sh- directly out of Spain, but that allowed us to start connecting to some of the coaches um, over there and to some of the just, a- not agents, I guess, um, recruiting services that help out the student athletes over there to get to America to play at the college level. So, you know, there's a few different people that we have worked with to get these student athletes here. It's really them seeing how well the Spanish players do in our program and how happy they are. I think that's just been the biggest way to strengthen our connection. As soon as Marina graduated and I mean, was, you know, most outstanding player in the tournament, you know, played incredible her senior year, is over there having such a great professional career uh, before she tore ACL and now she's back to it. Um, You got so many calls and so many emails saying, we saw how great Marina did we want to have you take a look at these, you know, these players. Do you think that they could fit in your program? Juana obviously coming over, having a great freshman campaign, um, having a really good sophomore year, uh, making that, you know, preseason all tournament first team. Other people are eyes open saying our our Spanish players are doing well in the program. They're treated well. And, you know, they reach out to those players and how how do you like it? How do do you do? Do you think it's a great place? Do you think I'm going to develop? So that has helped us, obviously, Lucia coming over and then Claudia coming over as well um, has just really positioned us, I think, nicely with, you know, some of the Spanish basketball clubs that that want to send their student athletes. I mean, these kids are going so far away from home. Their parents want to trust that their kids are in a a safe place where we're going to take care of them or we're going to help develop their skills. They're going to get a great degree and they're going to have an opportunity to potentially play you know, for their country and, and play professionally. So that has been the biggest thing for us. We, we love our Spanish players. Um, hmm. They come over with such great fundamentals. Um, they know how to play the game. Um, they, they're super competitive um, when they come over. So this, I think it's been really nice for us. And obviously we'll continue to recruit that route. Um, not a knock at all on our, our domestic players. We love the, you know, the players here too. I think it's just been such a nice mix. Um, and even further than just on the court, just the fact that they get to, learn the world through each other's eyes and, and have so many experiences that they never would thought that they would have had. You know, these kids go home with each other at pre-COVID times, but they go home to visit each other's families. You know, you got a kid who's never been to Spain going to Spain to spend time with their teammates' family. And I just think it's awesome, just the dynamic that we're able to build from there. 
Mm. Um, kind of a different question on recruiting I want to ask here. This, uh, so I, I don't know if you know this, but there's this guy uh, who coaches on the men's side at Iona. Maybe you've heard of him, Rick Pitino. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard of him. I think I've seen that guy before. He's already bringing so much attention to the college. Now, never mind just to the men's program, but to the college, to the point where I, I've been using on social media the, the hashtag Patino effect. Like anytime I own is mentioned anywhere that they normally wouldn't be mentioned. I was wondering whether you saw any kind of change to how your program is perceived simply by having Patino in the other locker room. Sure. Um, it, I, I would say the one call that we had this summer as we were recruiting um, right after he was hired, uh, one of the parents was so excited uh, that Patino was here. And he said, you, you guys are my choice and I can't wait to meet Patino. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be uh, new for us as we go through the recruiting process. Um, but it, Coach Patino has been awesome. I, I had a chance to sit down and talk with them, obviously, when he first got here. And immediately, he's, whatever you need, if you ever need me to talk to a recruit's parents, if you ever need me involved, um, he's been great. And that just, for me, was so reminiscent of my relationship with Tim Kloos. Mm -hmm. Tim was incredible. I mean, working with him, um, ever since I got here is just an awesome feeling because such a good guy, super supportive of women's basketball, always sending great encouraging words when we were struggling a little bit, but also paying attention to our wins and losses and everything we're doing and sending congratulations, text messages and all that type of stuff. So um, it, it's nice to, to have coach come in and want to be involved with making sure the women's program does well. And like you said, that Patino effect, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if I get any recruits because Patino's on the other side. <laughs> I got to say, one of the things, I, you know, I, I know you know a lot of Iona's women's basketball history um, and that it was kind of just a dead program forever and ever until Tony Bazzella took over. Um, and I think, it, I think he drew in people because of his energy. And I love hearing you talk about the team because you have that same energy. So um, as, you, as this program is built up under you, it's, it's going to be fun to see. As, and again, especially with somebody like Patino weighing in, and he's the kind of guy that will start to say, hey, you really should go check out our women's scene. They're great too, you know. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> see the whole dynamic. Uh, evolve over time. Um, so let's switch to this season coming up. And, um, you know, uh, we've talked on this podcast a lot about the adventures in scheduling during these, this COVID era. Uh, COVID era. Um, and I know all about the men's side and I've talked about it on different podcasts. Uh, what, what we don't get to hear about as much is what's going on on the women's side in terms of how you guys went about your non-conference schedule, who you're playing, who you may be playing. We don't even know because uh, who knows who's going to come up and say they have to shut down for two weeks next but as of this moment uh and again contracts be damned can you tell us who is on the non-conference slate for the uh, iona women do contracts even exist during this time <laughs> um we uh we're supposed to play at army on sunday the 29th um okay. and then we're supposed to play home against bryant uh on december 4th then we obviously head into conference play and we'll have sacred heart at home right before Christmas. Um, I will be completely honest. Uh, there are no contracts signed. Um, there have been, I would think we're at about 20 versions of a non-conference schedule. Um, but that probably is a result of the fact that we went into quarantine so early um, a couple of times and we just had to continue to change things because you don't know what you're going to look like when you get out of that quarantine. You don't know if you're going to be ready. Um, you don't know if, you know, you're going to be out of quarantine on the dates that you had games that were scheduled. So 
we're just kind of hanging in there. We've been in constant communication with those teams and everybody's on the same page that we want to play the games and we'll do everything that we have to do to play the games. We'll abide by the testing protocols. We'll, you know, do everything in our power to make sure that the games are there. But, you know, today that's the schedule and hopefully it's not different tomorrow. That's all I can go with right now. Is there a part of you that has in your mind that there's a chance that none of these games are going to happen until we get to, uh, you get to get travel to Monmouth uh, that second weekend in December? Yeah, there's a part of me that thinks so. You know, I try to be as optimistic as I possibly can be during this time. And I'm, I'm hoping that we're able to keep the games, but you know, you look around and you see Ivy league canceling, you know, their winter sports, you see, so many different institutions going to conference only play. I mean, obviously that's affected us because we had a few teams on our, on our schedule that we were supposed to play that went to conference only, you know, very early. So that kind of moved pieces around with what we wanted to do. So I try to be optimistic. Obviously we try to keep the girls optimistic about what we're going to do and who we're going to be playing, but this is going to be a year of flexibility and adaptability and, and just moving on the fly. So if that's what it comes to, so be it. We'll continue to work our butts off in practice and try to, you know, compete against each other as much as we possibly can and get ourselves ready. And if it's just conference play, we'll be ready for those games. Do you agree with what the max change to this uh, back-to-back game and single site approach to the schedule? Um, I think that the Mac is doing the best they can to position us to get the season in. Um, so I think it's a little bit above my pay grade to decide what day we play and when we play and how we play it. I, I think it came out nicely, honestly. I, I do think that in trying to create these almost micro bubbles where you play the same team, you're at the same site, you have the same officials, if you can possibly do that, you know, putting all of that together is, is an idea that could be, you know, beneficial for us. But like I said, nobody knows how this thing is going to work. And if this is the way that the, the, the commissioner, our presidents, our athletic directors feel that we're going to get the games in, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that we can follow along with that and get them in. Well, let's hope that we do get all these games in. And, and with that in mind, let's talk about the MAC, uh, the state of the MAC right now. As we kind of joked earlier, it was all Marist, all Quinnipiac. That's all we've heard for, I feel like, two decades at least. Uh, and we would a sprinkle of somebody else every now and then. Uh, but now it feels like we're kind of getting into a little bit of a different era where some other Mac programs might be rising up, including Iona. Um, I guess I, my question to you is, do you feel like the success that Marist and Quinnipiac have had, not only just in the Mac, but then on a national stage, is, is going to elevate the Mac on, on the, as a whole in terms of like, well, when you're recruiting, you could say, hey, well, we're in the league with Marist and Quinnipiac. So you come and play us, you're, you're going to have a chance if we have a special team where, you know, we could go to the Sweet 16 or win an NCAA game and whatever. Is, is, is that kind of happening in your mind? Absolutely. I mean, we talk about it all the time when we're recruiting that you're going to have an opportunity to play against programs that who have made it to a Sweet 16. But you're going to have an opportunity to play in a program that won their first conference championship and, and made it to an NCAA tournament. And we really competed against Maryland, you know, down, I think it was seven in the fourth quarter at, at one point. So the league is definitely strong. Um, and I think it, it makes you as a recruit, a coach recruit as hard as you can to be able to compete against, you know, storied programs like that, where, you know, Maris has so many championships under their belt where Quinnipiac has, was a powerhouse and was sweeping the league. You know, you want to compete to get better. Um, there's so many talented, talented teams in the league. This year is going to be interesting because there's a lot of new players. Um, but this is, it's a strong conference. 
we probably all say the same things when we're recruiting, just battling it against each other, but having that respect, knowing that night in and night out, it's going to be a battle no matter who you're playing in our league. Mm. Well, it's funny, 25, 30 years ago when I was still a young pup, I was actually a sports writer for the, what is now the Journal News. Um, then uh, Brian Georges was at Our Lady of Lords. Right. And so I've known him since then, in essence, because I used to cover, uh, they always would win their championship and I'd kind of be along for the ride a little bit. And then he got to Marist and I, and I was amazed that he was running the same stuff and nobody could still stop it. Um, <laughs> it's amazing that, you know, he's been around that long with that kind of success. And then uh, again, the Fabry show going on there as, as Jaden Daly likes to say, fearless focus Fabry. Uh, uh, so it's, it's amazing. And, and, and again, I, you start now, you saw what Ryder did last year. And, and again, we've seen Iona rise up in the past. So it's, it's great to see that the Mac is starting to finally feed off these stronger programs and, and rise up. And it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next two, three years, uh, in the league for sure. Um, like we said, you, you guys are, are pegged to finish, uh, fifth right now. What's it going to take for you guys to challenge the leaders? I think that it's going to take some quick growth, obviously, with a lot of new players on our team. Um, just a quick kind of meshing of personalities and, and abilities and all of that type of stuff on the floor. Um, but like I said, I think, I think we're very high IQ. I think we learn very quickly. We've taught so much over Zoom. Um, so I think I can add video coordinator to my uh, resume now because I've learned how to use PowerPoint and Synergy and everything else to teach basketball. Um, but I, I do think this crew it will be ready and poised to challenge them. It's right now. It's just about infusing confidence into them, knowing that it's really quality over quantity at this point, we're not going to have the number of practices that we wanted to have at this point. It's a matter of having incredible quality out, out of the time that you do get on the floor out of the time that you do spend together and really being intentional um, about what we're doing. What are the areas that we can really, really capitalize but I, again, I'm optimistic. You know, I think Manhattan obviously is going to be very strong with so many players returning to their roster and such talent um, on their roster. I think obviously Quinnipiac is, was kind of in that build over the past year or so. Um, and they have some great players returning that played well for them with a really strong supporting cast coming in. Um, you have so many teams in this league who, are, who will be pretty good, but I, I think our team is right up there. I think it's just a matter of them coming out confident, not questioning the fact that we haven't been on the floor as long as we'd like and really just getting out and competing. But we do have a competitive group um, that I am excited to go to battle with. I've talked about this a little bit on the men's side in terms of the effects of COVID on specific Mac teams. Um, and I'm going to bring it up here as well. I mean, with no fans in attendance, the, the teams that usually kind of benefit from that home court edge on the men's side, it's usually CN on the women's side. It's usually Marist, I would think, because they, they draw, draw their men, I think, <laughs> most seasons. Um, yeah. With that not in play, and then, of course, when, when you think about COVID maybe taking a player off of somebody's roster for a weekend and death being so much more important, especially with back-to-back games. Um, how do you, how do you, how do you feel about that? I guess, do you, do you think the, the, the factors of having no fans there uh, and having to rely on that 11th and 12th player more so than maybe on a typical season, does that work in your favor? Do you think? This year I can actually say yes, that the depth works in our favor because we, we do have a really deep roster um, we have a lot of players who can play some significant minutes for us. And we were talking as a staff the other day, like we were in a good position coming into this year because we couldn't figure out who was going to be the starting five, 
who's going to play what minutes and the subbing rotation was going to be tough for us. And we're like, this is a great problem to have. Um, but in a year like this, where you are playing back-to-back nights, where you are trying to figure everything out, I think obviously the depth is going to be the biggest thing for any team that's going to be successful. Um, Quinnipiac, you already know with their five and five out there, this is something that they're probably used to. Mm-hmm. I think a little new for everybody else in the league, but you know, it's something that the depth is going to be a huge uh determining factor or a huge X factor for teams that are going to do well this year in terms of fans in the stands. I think that's going to be an interesting piece going up to, you know, for the teams that have to go to Marist, um, not having anybody in that gym. Um, but we're all in the, all in the same position here with nobody in there. We just got to kind of make it as, as normal for the student athletes as possible. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they respond to it with nobody uh, in the gym. Well, coach, like I said, your, your energy is, is hopefully rubbing off on the Iona fan base. Um, I'm excited for the season. I, I love it. It's, you know, it's funny, you know, when people, when you have a bad season, like you had a couple of years back or a couple of bad seasons in a row and people kind of forget, that's almost like an exciting time to start to watch the program because then you get to see it going the other way. Um, and, and I, I was, I saw, you saw great jumps in the program last year, hoping to see those same kind of jumps this year. Hopefully COVID did not slow that momentum down for you too much, uh, but we'll find out. Um, I wish you the best luck this season. It's going to be a lot of fun in the Mac and I hope you guys are healthy uh, and can stay healthy and um, have a great season coming up. Thank you so much. I definitely appreciate that. We're looking forward to it. All right. We'll see you at the games. All righty. Take care. That's going to do it for this episode of the IonaHoops.com podcast. Thanks again to Billy Chambers for joining us this week. And good luck to the Lady Gales this season. Join us next episode for my preview of the Gales, the Mac, and another special guest. In the meantime, stay safe and healthy, and see you next time. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher, Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.